Amen. All right, well, we're there in uh, Leviticus chapter number 11. And uh, we've been studying through the book of Leviticus on Wednesday nights. We've been taking one chapter a week, and we are in the 11th week of the book of Leviticus, and we're here in chapter 11. I'd like you to look at verse number 1. Uh, Leviticus chapter 11 and verse 1, we've been studying the book of Leviticus, so we'll see what we can learn from this chapter. There's a lot to go over, actually, so if you, we'll try to move quickly. Leviticus chapter number 11 and verse number 1, the Bible says, And the Lord spake unto Moses and to Aaron, saying unto them, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, I want you to notice this phrase, because this is what this chapter is about. These are the beasts which ye, sh- which ye shall eat among all the beasts that are on the earth. This chapter deals basically with the famous dietary restrictions of the Mosaic Law. This chapter is basically teaching what those restrictions are, what people are allowed and not allowed to eat uh, under the Mosaic Law, under the Levitical priesthood. If you look at verse 3, it says, Whatsoever parted the hoof and is cloven-footed and cheweth the cud among the beasts, that shall ye eat. Nevertheless, these shall ye not eat of them that chew the cud, or of them that divide the hoof, as the camel, because he cheweth the cud, but divideth not the hoof. We're going to come back to that in one second. And I want you to notice the last phrase in verse 4. He is unclean unto you. In this chapter, he goes over this idea of clean versus unclean animals. And I want you to keep your place there in Leviticus 11. We're, we're going to come back to it. But go me to the book of Genesis just real quickly. It's the first book in the New, in the New Testament. Good night. First book in the Old Testament. First book in the Bible. Uh, so it should be fairly easy to find. Genesis chapter 7. And when you get to Genesis, just keep your finger there because we're going to leave it and we're going to come back to it. But I, but I want you to notice how it said in verse 4, he is unclean unto you. And I just want you to notice this uh, just just for because we're studying the Bible. Bible, that the concept of clean and unclean animals was not new with Moses. Uh, the, the, the dietary restrictions was new with the Mosaic law, but the concept of clean and unclean animals was not. And we'll see it here in Genesis chapter 7 and verse 1. The context is, of course, about the Noahic flood. And in Genesis 7, 1, the Bible says, And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark, for thee uh, have I seen righteous before me in this generation. Notice verse 2. And, uh, I'm sorry, verse 2, of every, notice what it says, clean beast, thou shalt take to thee by sevens, the male and his female, and of the beasts that are not clean by two, the male and his female. So all the way back in the time of Noah, there was an understanding of clean beast and unclean beast, and God had told them that he was to take, we always think about Noah taking, you know, the animals two by two, but the reality is that of the clean beast, he took seven. He took seven of the clean beasts, and he took two of the ones that were not clean. And you may be wondering, like, why would he take seven of the clean beasts? But the, the answer to that is in chapter 8. If you look at chapter 8 and verse number 18, the Bible says in Genesis 8, 18, look at 18 just to get a little bit of the context. And Noah went forth, and his sons and his wife, and his sons' wives with him. This is talking about after the flood. Every beast, every creeping thing, and every fowl, and whatsoever creepeth upon the earth, after their kind, went forth out of the ark. Notice verse 20. And Noah builded an altar unto the Lord, and took of every clean beast, and of every clean fowl, and offered burnt offerings on the altar. The reason that he took seven clean beasts 
on the ark is because immediately coming off the ark, he was supposed to do these sacrifices of the clean beast. So obviously, if you take two in the ark and then you immediately kill two, you basically just ended that, you know, they, they've gone extinct. So they took seven of them so they could do the sacrifices afterwards and still have enough to populate, uh, populate the, the, the world at that time. So I just want you to understand that the concept of clean and unclean was not new with Moses, but Moses was kind of codifying it. Moses was giving... Uh, uh, rules and regulations to kind of help them understand that. And uh, just real quickly, I don't want to spend a lot of time on it, but I, I want to just quickly go over the restrictions, the, the dietary restrictions found in Leviticus 11. If you want to make your way back to Leviticus 11, uh, let's, we're going to go through it real fast. We already read the chapter in its context, uh, so we're just going to go through it quickly because what I want to do is I want to talk about how does this apply to New Testament believers? Is this something that you and I are supposed to be applying today as New Testament believers, the Mosaic? Uh, dietary restrictions found here in Leviticus 11. And it's not just in Leviticus 11, it's in other places in scriptures in the Old Testament as well. Look at Leviticus 11, look at verse number 2. It says, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, These are the beasts which ye shall eat among all the beasts that are on the earth. So the way this chapter is outlined, it's, it, it gives you the restrictions or the rules for all these different types of animals. And we start here in verse 2 with the land animals. Notice what he says at the end of verse 2, the beasts that are on the earth. And what he does is he basically gives you a rule. He gives them a rule that they are to remember in regards to what kind of animal they are allowed to eat. And the rule is basically this. Look at verse 3. And whatsoever parteth the hoof and is cloven-footed, and cheweth the cud among the peas, that shall ye eat. So he just gives them a simple rule, and here's the rule as far as the dietary restrictions of, of the Mosaic law when it comes to land animals. The animal must part the hoof and chew the cud. He must part the hoof and chew the cud in order to be able to, for you to partake and to be able to eat it. Look at verse 4. He begins to give examples. Nevertheless, these shall ye not eat. So he's going to give them examples that, of animals that they should not eat. Of them that chew the cud, or of them that divide the hoof, as the camel. Because he cheweth the cud, that's good, but divideth not the hoof. He doesn't have hooves, so therefore he is unclean unto you. Do you see that? Look at verse 5. And the coney, because he cheweth the cud, but divideth not the hoof. He is unclean unto you. And the hare, because he cheweth the cud, but divideth not the hoof, he is unclean unto you. And the swine, though he divide the hoof and be cloven-footed, yet he cheweth not the cud. He is unclean unto you. So the rule is basically, he's got to have a hoof that's divided, and he has to be, and he has to chew the cud. He's got to do both. You can't do one or the other. You've got to do both in order to be an animal that you can eat. Verse 8. Of their flesh shall you not eat, and their carcasses shall you not touch. They are unclean to you. So he gives a rule for the land animals. What's the rule? Must part the hoof and chew the cud. Then he gives a rule for the sea creatures. Notice verse 9. These shall ye eat of all that are in the water. So notice it's outlined, the chapter. He talks about the land animals, gives them the rule, gives them some examples. Verse 9, he talks about the, 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 those that are in the waters. He, and then he gives them a rule. Notice what he says. Whatsoever hath fins and scales in the water, in the seas, and in the rivers, them shall ye eat. So it's real, real clear. The rule is it must have fins 
and scales. Look at verse 10. And all that have not fins and scales in the seas and in the rivers, of all that move in the waters, and of any living thing which is in the waters, they shall be an abomination unto you. They shall be even an abomination unto you. Ye shall not eat of their flesh, but ye shall have their carcasses in abomination. Whatsoever hath no fins nor scales in the waters, that shall be an abomination unto you. So if it has fins and scales, you can eat it. Uh, look at verse 13. We move on to the next, to the next uh, 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 type of animal. These, and these, Leviticus 7, 13, and these are they which ye shall have an abomination among the fowls. So we went from land animals, sea animals. Now we're talking about the fowls or the birds, the flying animals. And with the birds, there's no rule given. You know, with the land animals, it was must have a hoof, must chew the cud. With the sea animals, it was must have fins and scales. With the flying animals, there's no rule. He just gives them a list of animals that they're not supposed of, of birds that they're not supposed to eat. He gives them a list of 20 basically forbidden uh, birds. Look at verse 13. And these are they which ye shall have an abomination among the fowls. They shall not be eaten. These, uh, they are an abomination. And then he just lifts off 20 birds. The eagle and the ostrich and the osprey and the vulture and the kite after his kind, every raven after his kind, and the owl and the nighthawk and the cuckoo and the hawk after his kind, and the little owl and the comorant and the great owl and the swan and the pelican and the gear eagle and the stork, the heron after his kind, and the laugh wing and the bat and yeah he puts bats in there with fowls all right so you just got to realize that and he just gives them a list of these 20 animals these flying animals that they're not allowed to eat now i'm not a bird animal so i'm a bird animal good night i need i need a series on evolution i'm not a bird person i don't really know about birds it seems to me like the common thread is that these are predators or scavengers but I, I don't know what some of these birds are, so I don't know. Talk to Brother David if you have any questions. He's the, he's the local bird uh, expert, so uh, I don't know. But it seems like they're, they're predators or scavengers. A lot of them are like night animal, you know, birds and stuff. So he basically just gives them a list. Go to, go to verse number 20. Then he gives them a restriction of the flying insects. So he divides the insects between flying insects and crawling insects. And again, there's no rule, just a list. So with the birds, he said, you can eat all the birds except these 20. He gave them a list of birds that were not allowed. With the flying insects, there's no rule, but he gives them a list of the birds that, uh, I'm sorry, of the, of the flying insects that are allowed. And there's, uh, I think, six of them. Look at verse 20. All the fowls that creep. So he calls them fowls, but when he says creep, he's talking about it, what we would call an insect. All the fowls that creep going upon all fours shall be an abomination unto you, yet these may ye eat. So he says, I don't want you eating any of them except these ones of every flying creeping thing that goeth upon all fours, which have legs above their feet and leap uh, with all upon the earth. Even these of them ye may eat. The locust after his kind, the bald locust after his kind, the beetle after his kind, the grasshopper after his kind, but all other flying creeping things which have four feet shall be an abomination unto you. So he says, these are the ones you're allowed to eat, the rest I don't want you to eat. Now, in verse 24, and I'm going through this quickly because I want to move on to, to, to some New Testament passages here in a moment. In verse 24, he kind of takes a break from the dietary restrictions, and he basically just begins to give some health instructions for what you are to do when a dead animal, come, when a person comes in contact with a dead animal. And uh, he, he basically gives 
gives gives a couple of, of instructions when it comes to that. Look at verse 24. It says, and for these shall, uh, and for these shall ye be unclean, whosoever toucheth the carcass. So I want you to notice, it, it has to do with coming in contact with a dead animal. He says, whosoever toucheth the carcass of them shall be unclean until the even. And whosoever, notice this, these words, beareth aught of the carcass of them shall wash his clothes and uh, be unclean until the even. The carcass of every beast which divideth the hoof and is uh, not cloven-footed, nor cheweth the cud, or uh, are unclean unto you. Notice the emphasis, everyone that toucheth them shall be unclean, and whatsoever goeth upon his paws among all manner of beasts that go on all fours, those are unclean unto you. Notice the emphasis, whoso toucheth their carcasses shall be unclean until the evening. Look at verse 28. And he that beareth the carcass of them shall wash his clothes and be unclean until the evening. They are unclean. Uh, skip down to verse number 31. Notice what he says, these are unclean to you among all that creep, whatsoever, whosoever doth Touch them when they be dead shall be unclean until the even. And and look, he's he's talking about how to deal with these with these dead with these dead animals. And you may think like this is so silly that God would have to talk to them about these things. But but number one, realize that this is a new nation starting, and he's just trying to help them and give them instructions in regards to uh, he's giving them dietary restrictions. But he's also talking to them about health, and he's talking to them about how to deal with these dead animals. And honestly, it what isn't it the the, the the bubonic plague, right, or the, the black plague, is that what it was called, where it was because of all these rats, you know, and, and, and because of the fact that people did not have good hygiene, and, and God is basically just helping them out, saying, look, if you come in carcass, if you come in carcass, man, I'm not, I'm not speaking well tonight, I don't usually speak well, but tonight is really, if, if you come in contact with a carcass, uh, then you need to do a couple things. So what are the things that he says? Notice the instructions. One is you must wash your clothes. Look at verse 24 again. And for these ye shall be unclean. Whosoever touches the carcass of them shall be unclean uh, uh, until the even. Excuse me. Uh, what did I want to show you? I wanted to show you. Look at verse 25 real quickly. Verse 25. That's what I wanted to show you. And whosoever beareth out of the carcass of them shall wash his clothes and be unclean until the even. Look at verse 28. And he that beareth the carcass of them shall wash his clothes and be unclean until the evening. They are unclean unto you. So the first thing they were supposed to do is to wash their clothes. The second thing that they were supposed to do is they were supposed to have a short quarantine. If you look at verse 24 again, the last part, it says, shall be unclean until the even. If you look at verse 25, he says, unclean. The last part of verse 25, unclean until the even. If you look at verse 27, the last part, it says, shall be unclean until the even. If you look at verse 28, the last part, unclean until the even, they are unclean unto you. So they were supposed to, if they came in contact with a dead animal, they were supposed to wash their clothes, and then they were supposed to be unclean until the even. Verse 31, the last part of verse 31, he says, shall be unclean until the even. Now, in verse 32, he continues his health instructions, but now he's talking about uh, not because in, in the previous verse he's talking about when a person comes in contact with a dead animal. Now he's talking about when an object comes in contact with a dead animal. Look at Leviticus 11 and verse 32. And upon whatsoever, talking about an object, any of them, talking about the carcasses, when they are dead, doth fall. He's talking about a dead animal falls and makes contact on something. It shall be unclean, whether it be any vessels of wood 
or raiment or skin or, or sack, whatsoever vessel it be, wherein any work is done. Notice what he says. It must be put into water and it shall be unclean until the even, so it shall be cleansed. So he said, if it's of these materials, wood, raiment, skin, or a sack, he says you wash it, you don't use it till the even, and then it will be cleansed. So look at verse 33. And every earthen vessel, so if they got like, a, like pottery or something that they made out of, out of the earth, wherein any of them fall it, talking about the carcass, whatsoever is in it shall be unclean. And, but for this one, he says, you can't wash it, you just got to break it. So notice he says, and you shall break it. So the remedies are, you, some things you wash, some things you break. Look at verse 34. And of all meat... That's food, which may be eaten, that on which such water cometh, water that, he's talking about water that comes in contact with a, with a carcass, shall be unclean, and all drink, whatever was in that cup, uh, that may be drunk, and every such vessel shall be unclean. Look at verse 35. And every thing whereupon any part of their carcass falleth shall be unclean, whether it be oven, or ranges, or parts, or, or pots, they shall be broken down, for they are unclean, and shall be unclean unto you. And again, the idea is this. If you go in your cupboard, and you've got a bowl, an earthen bowl there, and you find like a dead mouse inside of it, you know, they were to dispose of that animal, they were to break that bowl, then the, whoever took care of it, which is probably the, the husband, you know, he has to go wash his clothes and be quarantined, Till even, and I'm sure this just allowed, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, or did not allow a lot of disease to spread, and it's just some health things that God is giving them uh, in regards to that. Look at, um, in verses 36 through uh, 40, he basically is just reviewing previously covered material, basically uh, talking again about the fact that if you con- come in contact with a carcass, it requires washings and quarantines and things like that. Look at verse 41. In verse 41, he goes back to the dietary restrictions. And in verse 41, he's now going to keep talking about insects, but now he's talking about crawling insects. Look at verse 41, uh, not flying. And every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth shall be an abomination. It shall not be eaten. Whatsoever goeth upon the belly, or, uh, and whatsoever goeth upon all fours, or whatsoever hath more uh, feet among all creeping things that creep upon the earth, them shall ye not eat, for they are an abomination. Ye shall not make yourselves abominable with any creeping thing that creepeth, neither shall ye make yourselves unclean with them, and ye shall be defiled thereby, for I am the Lord your God. Ye shall therefore sanctify yourselves, and ye shall be holy, for I am holy. Neither shall ye defile yourselves with any manner of creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So basically he says, no eating crawling insects. So if you're in France, you know, don't eat the snail or whatever they, you know, weird people eat in Europe. Just, he says, stay away from all of it. All right, I don't know. Do they, do, do they eat snail in France? Is that true? I don't know. Whatever. None of you are cultured. Look at verse 45. Do they? They eat it here? You eat it here? Oh, wow. No, I'm just kidding. Look at verse 45. I'm just kidding. You can. I'm going to tell you. I'm about to show you that you can. Look at verse 45. Leviticus 11, verse 45. Here's the purpose of the dietary restrictions. For I am the Lord that bringeth you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. Ye shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. This is the law of the beasts and of the fowls and of every living creature that moveth in the waters and of every creature that creepeth upon the earth to make a difference between the unclean and the clean and between the beasts that may be eaten and the beasts that may not be eaten. So those are the famous or infamous dietary restrictions given to the children of Israel, things that they were not allowed to eat, were allowed to eat, how they had to deal with animals when they were uh, following the Mosaic law. Now, 
what I want you to understand about the mosaic, uh, about the dietary restrictions, there's a couple things. Go, go back to the book of Genesis, uh, Genesis chapter 9. And the first thing I want you to notice is that the dietary restrictions started with the mosaic law, okay? This was not something that had been practiced all of history of mankind. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve were vegetarians. And after the flood, the Bible is very clear that they were allowed to eat whatever they wanted. In fact, let's look at it together. Genesis chapter 9 and verse number 1. Genesis 9.1, and God blessed Noah, again this is after coming off the, flood, uh, off the ark, after the flood, and God blessed Noah and his sons and said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth, okay, that's after the flood, and the fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth, and notice how thorough God is, upon every beast of the earth and upon every fowl of the air and upon all that moveth upon the earth and upon all the fishes of the sea in your hands are they delivered every moving thing that liveth shall be meat the word meat means food in the bible the word meat for us means like flesh but in the bible the word flesh is talking about what we call meat and meat is simply just food like if you remember earlier in the book of leviticus where they had the meat offering and what was the meat offering it was just flour and oil and frankincense it was bread so he says look every moving thing that liveth shall be meat for you even as the green herb have i given you all things so i want you to notice that when noah got off the ark god said hey have at it, Frenchie. You want to eat that snail? Go for it, you know. Uh, do whatever you want. Every beast of the earth, every fowl of the air, all the fishes of the sea. He says you can eat whatever you want. The dietary restrictions came in with the Mosaic law. They came in. Now, there was a difference between clean and unclean, but the dietary restrictions came in with the Mosaic law. And here's what I want you to understand. Go to the book of Hebrews in the uh, New Testament, Hebrews chapter number 9. And if you, if you start at, at the end of Revelation, at the end of the New Testament, and you head back, you're going to go past the book of Jude, 3rd, 2nd, and 1st John, 2nd, 1st Peter, James, Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 9. Here's what I want you to understand, okay? The dietary restrictions started with Moses, they weren't always in place. They were not always practiced. And the dietary restrictions ended with the coming of Christ. It ended with the, with the new covenant or the New Testament covenant. So if you're wondering, you know, am I allowed to eat carnitas, you know, uh, at the Mexican restaurant? Yes, you are, okay? The dietary restrictions no longer apply to you and I. And I want to show you that from the Bible. Hebrews chapter 9, look at verse 8. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 8, Hebrews 9, 8 says this, The Holy Ghost, this signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest, while as the first tabernacle was yet standing. Now, the first tabernacle is what we're reading about and studying about in the book of Leviticus. It's that first, temp the, the tabernacle, the Levitical priesthood, all of that. Look at verse 9, which was, notice these words, a figure for the time then present. Because if you remember when Moses went up on the mount, God showed him a vision. God showed him what the tabernacle up in heaven looked like. And he was basically supposed to do that down on earth to represent on earth what God already had in heaven. And it was a figure. It was a foreshadowing. It was a way that we could see better things to come. But he says it's a figure. Notice for the time then present. That phrase means it's temporary. 
the dietary restrictions, the Levitical priesthood, the tabernacle itself was not something that was going to be lasting forever, lasting for eternity. It was for the time then present in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience. Notice verse 10, which stood only in, notice, meats and drinks and diverse washings, right? Because if you take the mouse out, you got to go wash your clothes. And they had all sorts of washings. He says, meats and drinks and diverse washings and carnal. You see the word carnal there? The word carnal means fleshly. Like you go to a Mexican restaurant, you order carne asada, right? And we're talking a lot about food tonight. Carne, carnal, it's all flesh. And carnal ordinances imposed on them until the time of reformation. Now, a couple of things. Number one, does it, does it say, you know, and all of the moral laws, you know, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt, you know, not commit adultery, not bearing false witness. All of that was done away with, with the new covenant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Is that what it says? No. What does it say was done away? Look at verse 10. Which stood only in. Only in. Because people want to say like, oh, the entire law in the Old Testament done away with. We don't have to follow any of it. It doesn't apply. But that's not what it says. It says, look, the only things that were a figure for the time then present, the only things that have been done away, notice verse 10, which stood only in meat and drinks and diverse washings and cardinal. You see that word ordinances? I would, I, would, I would challenge you to do a study of the word ordinance. And you know what you'll find? The word ordinance is always associated with this word. Figure, foreshadow. An ordinance was something that they were told to do that was not, there's nothing moral about it. There's nothing amoral about it. It was just something that they did that was a picture. You know what other word is associated with the word ordinance? The Lord's Supper. You know, baptism, we call it an ordinance. You know why? Because there's nothing moral about drinking grape juice or, you know, eating unleavened bread or getting dunked in water. It's just a picture. It's something we do. And here's what he's saying. Those pictures from the Old Testament, the ordinances were imposed on them. Look at verse 10. Until the time of Reformation. Oh, they were imposed until Martin Luther. You read too many commentaries, all right? That's not what the time of Reformation is talking about, all right? Just because men use terms doesn't make that biblical because the Bible says it was until the time of Reformation. You say, well, what's the time of Reformation? What's funny how the Bible describes itself and defines itself for us? Look at verse 11. But Christ being come, what's the time of Reformation? When Christ came? Why? Because Martin Luther didn't reform anything. Christ did. Christ came in and he said, hey, you know what? Let me reform some things. We're going to do some things differently. That whole tabernacle thing, that Levitical priesthood thing, the washings and, and, and drinks, offerings and divers, all that stuff. We're not going to do that anymore. And he literally reformed and started something new called the local New Testament church. And that's why it says, until the time of Reformation, but Christ being come and high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands. That is to say, not of this building. See, Christ came as the priest, the high priest of Melchizedek, from the order of heaven, and we've talked a lot about this recently, you're a priest, I'm a priest, in the order of Melchizedek. But here's what I want you to understand. 
The dietary restrictions ended with the coming of Christ. They ended with the new covenant. They ended with the reformation of the new covenant, which Christ came. So today, you and I do not have to follow the dietary restrictions of Leviticus chapter number 11. Go to the book of Colossians, Colossians chapter number 2. Colossians chapter number 2. You're there in Hebrews, keep going backwards. You're going to go past Philemon. You're going to pass all the T-books. Titus, 2nd and 1st Timothy, 2nd and 1st Thessalonians, Colossians. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 14. Colossians 2.14. Notice what it says. Blotting out the handwriting of, I want you to notice this word, ordinances. Do you see that? People like to go to this passage and say, see, he blotted out the ordinances, so now we can kill whoever we want. And just commit adultery, and just lie, and steal, and cheat. No big deal. The ordinances aren't there. But listen to me. Every time you study, you see the word ordinance, you'll see it always associated with things that were a picture. You'll always see them associated. Well, look at the context. Blotting out the handwriting of the ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. Doesn't that go with Hebrews 9, the time of reformation, the coming of Christ? When he came to die on the cross for his sins and having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Let no man therefore judge you in, notice, meats or in drinks or in respect of holy days or of the new moons or of the Sabbath days. Doesn't that sound just like Hebrews 9? Why? Because he took the ordinances out of the way. Did he take thou shalt not kill out of the way? No. Did Did he take keeping the Sabbath day away? Yes. Look, we need to learn to rightly divide the word of truth. We need to learn to be able to study the Bible, look at the Bible and say, well, what is it that doesn't apply to me? No, we aren't Seventh-day Adventists. No, we're not going to hold services on the Sabbath day. We don't honor the Sabbath day. Why? Because that was an ordinance. That was a show. That was a figure which has now been taken away. The ordinances, the Reformation happened. The Lord Jesus Christ came and he reformed and he gave us a new covenant. So today we don't, we don't have to. And look what he says. Let no man therefore judge you. You know why I think he says, he says that term, judge you? Because you know what I've noticed? The people who teach that you are to keep the dietary restrictions of the Mosaic law are extremely judgmental and critical people. They will look down on you and say, uh, you eat pork? You don't go to church on the Sabbath? We only go to church on the Sabbath. Show me anywhere in the Bible where anybody went to church on the Sabbath. Because well, they want to take it all these Old Testament passages. Hey, newsflash, there was no local New Testament church in the Old Testament. Amen. They want to go to all these passages about how they went to the temple or the tabernacle or they had a feast day on the Sabbath. That wasn't church. In the New Testament, the church met on the first day of the week, which happens to be Sunday. But you know what? People will judge you and they'll be like, ah, you, you don't do this and you don't do that and you don't keep this and you don't keep that. But you know what God says? Let no man judge you in meats or drinks or in respect of holidays or of the new moons or of Sabbath days. Notice what he says, which are a shadow. Doesn't that sound like a figure? If I make a shadow, aren't I making a figure? Isn't that a figure? Which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. So here's what I'm just saying. The dietary restrictions started with the Mosaic law. They started with Moses. Because we can see from Noah where God is telling Noah, eat whatever you want. Go for it. Kill all those dinosaurs and eat them up. 
Make him extinct because it's going to make a good series in 2017. You know what I mean? He's like, just do whatever you want. And But then when the Mosaic law comes on, comes on the scene, then Moses says, hey, we got to follow these laws. And I believe part of that uh, had to do with the fact that they were wandering in the wilderness. They were nomadic people. They weren't living in structures. They were living in tents, wandering. So they had some restrictions there that God imposed on them uh, to make sure that they were healthy and they weren't just, you know, uh, having all sorts of disease and stuff in the camp. But here's what I want, you to, uh, I, I want you to understand. Those things have been done away with today. Now go through to the book of Acts, Acts chapter number 10. And let me say this. You say, well, is this really important? But here's what I want you to understand. There are many religions today that follow the dietary restrictions. Not only of the Mosaic law, but that follow just dietary restrictions in, in, any, in any form. You know, the Buddhists are vegetarians, which means they do not eat meat. They abstain from all beef. Some Buddhists also abstain from fish. Fasting is required for monks. Monks avoid all solid foods after uh, noontime. You know, so the Buddhists, their religion teaches. It's really interesting because the Buddhists teach, hey, you got to be a vegetarian. You got to abstain from meat. You got to abstain from certain things. Then there's Hinduism. Certain foods are avoided in the religion of Hinduism, like pork, fowl, duck, snail, crabs, and camels. If you ever want to eat a camel, you can't be a Hindu and do that. Uh, the cow, of course, is sacred, so beef is prohibited. They have to fast on the 18 major Hindu holidays. They fast on numerous personal days, like birthdays, Anniversaries of a death or anniversaries of a marriage, they'll fast. They also fast on days associated with various positions of the moon. Which is interesting because in Colossians 2.16, we just read, Let no man therefore judge you in meats or drinks or in respect of holy days or of the new moon. But the Hindus, they'll fast on certain days that have to do with the position of the moon. Then you've got Islam, who prohibits pork and birds of prey. They prohibit tea and coffee. Or, excuse me, they don't prohibit tea and coffee, but tea and coffee is discouraged. Uh, they, they have mandatory fasting for six days during Shawwal, which is the 10th month of the Islamic year. They have fasting for the entire month of Ramadan, which is the ninth month of the Islamic year. And a fasting is practiced regularly on Mondays and Thursdays, if you're Islam. It reminds me of that, you know, remember the, the, the Pharisee, the proud Pharisee who said, I fast twice in the week. You know, he was, uh, he was a Muslim, apparently, because it's Mondays and, and, and Thursdays. All these false religions are the same thing. Then, of course, you got Judaism. You know, the Jews of today, they prohibit animals such as pigs and rabbits, prohibit creatures of the sea such as lobster, shrimp, and clams. Meat and dietary products cannot be eaten at the same meal or served on the same plate. And kosher and non-kosher foods cannot come into contact with the same plates. That's what Judaism teaches. Then you've got the Rastafarians. Members of this group are permitted to only eat food that is slightly cooked. Meats are not consumed. Canned goods are avoided. Drinks that are unnatural are not allowed. Fish under 12 inches long may be eaten. Other types of seafood are restricted. And, but you can smoke as much pot as you'd like. You know, That's the Rastafarians. <laughs> You know, because it's natural. That's what they teach. Uh, you got Eastern Orthodox. They have a restriction on meat and fish. You got Mormonism. 
who teach you to abstain from coffee, tea, and chocolate. So if you want to be a Mormon, you got to abstain from coffee, tea, and chocolate. you got the Roman Catholics, who restrict, they have restrictions on meat or fasting behaviors on specific holy days. Uh, on designated days, they abstain from all food, or they may restrict meat and meat products. Uh, you've got the Seventh-day Adventists, who advocate a vegetarian diet, including moderate amounts of low-fat dairy products, and they avoid meat, fish, fowl, coffee, and tea, though the coffee and tea are not strictly prohibited. So I just want to explain to you, there's a lot of religions out there, and some so-called Christian religions that they consider themselves followers of Christ, who teach this idea that you've got to restrict, you know, you've got to restrict uh, uh, the food. But I, I want to make just another connection in regards to food. Because in Acts chapter 10, are you there? In Acts chapter 10, and we're going to come back to this list here in a minute. But in Acts chapter 10, God repeals the dietary restrictions in the story you find in Acts 10. But when he does it, he rebukes this idea of the Jews looking down on the Gentiles. And here's what I want you to understand. People who worship food become arrogant, judgmental, critical people who look down on others that don't follow their dietary standards. In Acts chapter 10 and verse 1, we have this story. Uh, we'll try to hit as much of it as we can. It's a pretty long chapter, but let's, let's look at just a little bit together. Uh, look at verse 1. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band of the Italian band. So this was a, a, a Gentile, a devout man, and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. He, was in, he saw in a vision, evidently, about the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God coming to him and saying unto him, Cornelius. Now here's what's interesting. Cornelius is just a, a, a Gentile person. He's not saved, but he's a devout man. He's praying. He's seeking the truth. And God has an angel. The angel of God comes to him. But notice what the angel says. Look at verse 4. And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up before a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodges with one Simon uh, Tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. It's interesting to me that God sends an angel to this man that's not saved, but yet the angel does not preach the gospel to him. Wouldn't you think, like, why doesn't the angel just tell him, hey, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy house? Why doesn't he say that? Why doesn't he just, but here's what you need to understand. He says, go to the soul winner, Peter. Go to the man. Why? Because God has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. That's why. God doesn't just send angels and appear. And when people tell you, like, oh, this angel appeared to me, you know, it's like, are you Rastafarian? What are you smoking? All right, because... Angel, you know, they're not, they, they, they gave me the gospel. God appeared and gave me the gospel. No, whenever angels appeared after, uh, after the ascension of Christ, and, and there's no angel in the New Testament gave the gospel to anybody, but they do always point them to a soul winner. And notice what he says, look at verse 6, last part of verse 6. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. He says, go to the soul winner, and he'll tell you what to do. And when the angel which spake unto Cornelius was departed, he called two of his household servants and devout soldiers of them that waited on him continually. And when he had declared all these things unto them, he sent them to Joppa. Notice verse 9. And on the morrow, as they went on their journey, they drew nigh unto the city. Peter went up upon the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. It's about noon. And he became very hungry, and he would have eaten. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance. 
So Peter's about to have a vision and saw heaven opened and a certain vessel descending unto him as they had been a great sheet knit at the four corners and let down to the earth. Wherein were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth and wild beasts and creeping things and fowls of the air. And there came a voice to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. Now, look, you got to love Peter. I love Peter. He makes me feel good about myself sometimes. Because if a voice from heaven says, hey, here's a picnic. You know, here's a, 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 a great sheet knit. And it opens up and has all these animals. And God says, rise, Peter, kill and eat. You think if a voice is speaking to you from heaven, you just, yes, sir. You know, well done. How, how do you want me to do this? But notice his response, verse 14. But Peter said, not so, Lord. And before you get too judgmental on Peter, isn't that you and I too? God says, hey, do this. And we're like, I don't know about that, God. Hey, look, if God tells you to do something, why don't you just do it? God tells you to do something, just, just yes, sir. But no, we've got Peter here. Not so, Lord. Why not, Lord? For I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice spake unto him again the second time, What God hath cleansed, that call not thou common. This was done thrice. Isn't that Peter's lucky number? Three times? He, he you know, um, he, three times he denied the Lord. Three times he had to be told, um, you know, by Jesus, do you, do you love me? And here he, this happens three times, and the vessel was raised up again into heaven. And while Peter doubted in himself what the vision which he had seen should mean, behold, the men which were sent from Cornelius had made inquiry of Simon's house and stood before the gate and called and asked whether Simon, which was surnamed Peter, were lodged there. While Peter thought of the vision, the Spirit said unto him, Behold, three men seek after thee. And I, I'm going to skip some of this for, for sake of time, but look at verse 22. And they said, Cornelius, as in and a just man, and one that feareth God, and of good report among all the nations of the Jews, was warned from God by an holy angel to send for thee into his house. Notice where the emphasis is. And to hear words of thee. You know, preaching the gospel is you got to open your mouth and actually say something. Amen. They said, we want to hear what you have to say. Hear words of thee. Look, um, look, look at, uh, skip down to verse number uh, 25. And as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. Now, I'm getting off on all sorts of tangents, but I, I, just, I can't read it and not say it. The Catholic Church teaches that Peter was the first pope. And the pope today will uh, have all sorts of people worship him and kneel down in front of him and bow in front of him. But notice what happens when they do that to the supposed first pope. And as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter took him up saying, stand up. I myself also am a man. We ought to only worship Jesus. We only, the only, the only, we only ought to bow our knee to God, not to man. But, but I want you to notice, it's not just a jab at Catholicism. He says that because there's a theme here. He's saying, hey, I myself am a man. The understanding, like you. Look at verse 27. And he's talked with them. He went in and found many that were come together. And he said unto them, You know how that it is an unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep a company or to come unto one of another nation. Because of things like the dietary restrictions, because of things like the Mosaic law, the Jews had become extremely judgmental, critical people where they looked down on Gentiles, they called them dogs, they called them all sorts of things, and they thought, they literally thought they were better than these people. 
And notice, and, and, and here Peter is saying, you know it's an unlawful thing for man that is a Jew to keep company or come unto one that is of another nation. But God has showed me that I should not, notice, that I should not call any man common or unclean. And here's what he's saying. When God told me not to call any food common or unclean, that was the primary application. We can eat whatever we want. But here's the secondary application. There's no difference between Jew or Greek. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile. What made us special was the fact that we only eat organic food or whatever. We only eat these certain types of food. We're so high and mighty and we're going to look down on you. But then God says, hey, eat whatever you want. And then you know what he says? I guess I'm just like you are. Therefore, I came unto you without gainsaying. As soon as I was sent for, I asked, therefore, for what intent have you sent for me? Look, look at verse 32. Send therefore to Joppa and call hither Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodged in the house of one Simon the Tanner by the seaside. They're retelling the story. Who, when he cometh, notice the emphasis, shall speak unto thee. Immediately, therefore, I sent unto thee, and thou hast well done, that thou art come. Now, therefore, are, well, are we all here present before God? Notice the emphasis, to hear all things that are commanded thee of God. You know that there are people out in Sacramento who will hear the gospel from you if you would just go and give it to them? Amen. I mean, what do you think, what, what, what if Peter would have said, you know what, I'm too busy to go give you the gospel. You show up to church and we'll preach it on Sunday morning. In fact, we preach it every Sunday morning. That's all we preach. Who's ever gone to church like that, where all they preach every Sunday morning is the gospel? And it's like, look, everybody here is saved. We don't have any visitors because we don't go soul winning, so why are you preaching the gospel every Sunday, you know, at these lame IP churches? But here's the thing. It's always this. We are to go out and preach the gospel. We are to go out and open our mouths. And they were here, ready to hear. Look at verse 34. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive, that, notice, that God is no respecter of persons. But in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. Uh, he preaches them the gospel. Skip down to verse 44 for sake of time. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the words. And they, notice, and they of the circumcision, let's talk about the Jews, which believed, talking about Jews that were saved, were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them. By the way, baptism is not an option, it's a command. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. Go to the book of 1 Timothy. We're, we're, we're going to be done right here. 1 Timothy chapter 4. If you kept your place in Colossians, which I'm not sure if you did, but if you kept your place in Colossians, you want to go past, you're going to go to 1st, 2nd Thessalonians, 1st Timothy. All those two books are clustered together. 1st, 2nd Thessalonians, 1st, 2nd Timothy, Titus. 1st Timothy chapter 4. Here's what I want you to understand. God repealed the dietary restrictions, and at the same time, he rebuked this Gentile separation. And the reason for it is because often people who worship food will look down on those who don't meet their standards. Go to 1 Timothy 4.1. Let's just look at a few verses. We'll, we'll be done. I'll make a couple applications. We'll be done. 1 Timothy 4.1. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith. Giving heed to, notice these words, seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. So that's not like good things or bad things. Seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Speaking lies and hypocrisy having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Now look, if your conscience is seared, you know what you are? You're a reprobate. 
Here the Bible is telling us that there are some religious leaders that have their conscience seared and they're, they're, they're giving heed to seducing spirits and they're teaching. Because the word doctrine means to teach. They're teaching doctrines of devils. What are they teaching? Look at verse 3. Forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats. Any religion that teaches to forbid to marry or who teaches to command or commands you to abstain from meats or that does both is a religion of seducing spirits and they're teaching doctrines of devils. Now look, what, what, what church comes to mind? Uh, the Roman Catholic Church who says don't eat meat on Fridays on these certain days, you know, you have to have Lent or, you know, Lent or whatever. Like, you know, I don't, what is that? That's something you pick out of your belly button, you know, Lent. And, and they're like, you can't eat at these times, you can't do it. And what do they do? They forbid marrying. They tell their priest not to marry. When the Bible says that a pastor must be the husband of one wife, the Bible says that, that the spiritual leader is supposed to be married, but they forbid to marry. Here's what I'm trying to explain to you in case I'm not being clear. The Roman Catholic Church is a demonic church. They're teaching doctrines of devils. They're seducing spirits. Their leaders are reprobates. The Pope is a reprobate. These people are teaching false doctrine. All of these religions that forbid the Buddhist, Hinduism, Islam, Judaism today. I mean, Judaism is called in the book of Revelation, the synagogue of Satan. They're religious. They are religions of the devil. Rastafarians, sorry, you're a Bob Marlowe fan or whatever. I don't know what that guy's name is. Brother Sagi can tell you about it. He learned all about it in Guyana. All of the Mormonisms, Latter-day Satanists, Seventh-day Adventists. It's funny, they want, to keep the, the, they want to keep the Sabbath. They want to abstain from meats. These are all religions of the devil. And look, I know you don't, you don't hear this at your little, you know, contemporary. We want to just have millions of people come to our church, make the pastor rich, and don't preach anything offensive. I know most churches don't hear, hear that, but we're actually studying the Bible. And here's what the Bible says. It says, these are doctrines of devils. Their conscience is seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meat, which God hath created, notice, to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. Notice what he says, verse 4. For every creature of God is good. We're not under the Mosaic law. We're not under the dietary restrictions. For every creature of God is good, and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God in prayer. Here's what he says. You just pray over your meal. And you just receive it. Go, go to the book of Ephesians. I know I told you 1 Timothy was the last one, but let me give you one more. Ephesians chapter 6. Let me just make one quick application that's totally out of context. I get that. Because I'm going to get all sorts of emails, and that's fine. This is like one of the most, least popular things I preach. But I don't really care. Today, we have a version of this in our movement. You say, what do you mean our movement? I'm talking about this movement. Because our movement... Because our movement emphasizes the idea of truth, you know, the truth of the Word of God, we end up reaching a lot of conspiracy theories, <laughs> which I'm all for. That's great. But some things that go hand in hand is, is, is eating organic and all-natural food. Now, let me just make something real clear because I want to make sure nobody misunderstands what I'm saying. I'm all for eating healthy food. We eat organic food at my house. My wife buys organic. I think like 95% of the food we eat in our home is organic, all natural. I'm all for that. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I don't think there's a sin to do that. But here's what I am against. I'm against these people who worship organic food to the point where they'll look down on someone else who doesn't take that same stand and they'll judge them based on their meats and drinks and they'll look down on them and say, oh, you, you eat at McDonald's? 
What's wrong with you? It's like, why does it matter? And I, I remember I, I had a talk with a guy one time, and he was just kind of coming off real strong. Like, you people can't be eating those. You know, I grabbed my, my Coca-Cola. He's like, you shouldn't be drinking that Coke. And I'm like, Psh. <laughs> you know. Yes, I do have a mini refrigerator filled with Coca-Colas in my office right now, right? You shouldn't be eating those. And I remember who it was. Somebody kind of poked fight at him like, look, not that big of a deal. And, and here's what the person said. They're like, well, I'm going to be laughing at you when you develop cancer. I thought to myself like, whoa, buddy. You know, you know the Bible says, let not him that girdeth on his harness boast himself as he that putteth it off. You know, I'd, be, I'd wait till I was 112 years old before I start, you know, start telling people like, hey, you're going to get cancer. You need to eat the way I do. I'm pretty sure the Bible says, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. And if you're going around telling people, you're going to get cancer because you're eating that food. God may just put cancer on you, buddy. You know, be careful about not. You say, are you against organic? I'm not against any of it. I think it's great. My wife cooks it. It's delicious. It's great. But please don't develop this attitude where like, well, I'm not going to eat that chocolate cake. You know, you're going to walk up to Miss Heidi. Is that from Trader Joe's? And maybe it is. I don't know. <laughs> hey, what are the ingredients? Just pray over it. It'll be fine. And then people are like, you're not going to eat a long life. You're not going to live a long life. Are you there in Ephesians 6? Look at verse 1. Children, listen up. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment with promise. What's the promise? Verse 3, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. Didn't God promise that you'll live long on the earth if you honor your father and mother? Did he say, or is, there, is there like the NIV, you know, there's like a little note. Not if you must only eat at In-N-Out and never eat Burger King. <laughs> Look, I'm not for eating at Burger King. I'm just trying to help you. Don't develop this attitude where like, oh, I'm better than you. I would never eat an Oreo. You're an idiot. You're a moron. That is stupid. Don't look down on people and develop this proud arrogance. I think people should eat healthy. I don't think we should be gluttons. I think we should try to be healthy. I'm all for that. I'm I'm not on that side. I'm just saying, be careful. Be careful about developing this mentality that because the way you eat makes you better than somebody else. That's what the Jews did. And that's what God was kind of poking fun at with Peter. Saying, I told you, go ahead and eat that hamburger, Peter. Don't call unclean what I've cleansed. And we, ought not, we should be careful about looking down on people and, oh, well, you do this and you do that. And look, you don't want to eat the cake? Don't eat the cake. I'm not talking about that. But I'm just talking about this attitude where people will look down. You drink Coke. You drink this. Just shut up. Don't judge people based on food. Do you realize how stupid that is? Anyway, that doesn't make me popular in our movement. But let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for allowing us to gather together. Lord, I pray you'd help us, Lord. I pray you'd help all of us to just be healthy and, and, and try to eat right and, and to take care of our bodies. But, Lord, help us just to keep a balance and not look down on people to not. And, Lord, and, and, and those that, that do eat healthy and, and don't want to eat the pizza or the cake, help them realize we're not against that. I'm all for that. Praise the Lord. But, Lord, just help us not to look down on people, Lord, and help us to learn from these passages. Help us not to allow these false religions to judge us based on meats and drinks and all of that. Lord, we love you in your precious name, I pray. Amen.